Hey everyone, you're listening to InfoQuench with Jeff and Amy. We're chatting about how to get the most out of life and covering a ton of interesting topics. So there's sure to be something for just about everyone. Let's get to it. Hey everybody and welcome to InfoQuench. I'm your host Jeff. And I'm Amy and this episode is all about winter hacks from Canadians. Because we are Canadians. We are Canadians indeed. (laughs) And this will work actually anywhere you have winter. So hope you enjoy. We've got some serious tips. We've got some funny tips. And I'm going to start with a quote that inspired this episode. And it is, don't make snow angels in a dog park. Yeah, don't. Yeah, you don't want uh, (laughs) poopy angels. It's a little bit of a, right. a, a little bit of a quote, a little bit of a tip, but yeah. I like that one. It kind of goes with Frank Zappa's thing, you know, watch out where the huskies go and don't you eat that yellow snow. Oh yeah, <laughs> another great tip: stay away from the yellow snow. Don't eat the yellow. Don't snow. pee on an electric fence. That's right. Don't do that either. <laughs> I don't know what that one's from. I don't know either. Probably some movie. Do you remember one time we were in the dog park and back when we had a dog? Mm-hmm. And there were, otherwise it would be strange for us just to hang out in the dog park. People do that, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure they do. Yeah, maybe they have dog envy. But there was a, a kid that was like hugging a tree. Do you remember that? He was sitting down on the ground hugging one of the trees. Oh, yeah, I do remember that. And I remember just commenting, yeah. trying to say it a little bit loudly that, you know, there's only a few trees in here. I wonder, you know, <laughs> I wonder if the dogs pee on just those trees. That but, one's just a pee tree. Uh, <laughs> is anybody listening to me? The dog has pee. I mean, that kid has pee all over them. I try to be passive aggressive in my warning, but uh, anyway, the kid just went on hugging the tree, which in regular life is a great thing. Hug your trees, friends, just not in a dog park. You can only help so much. If someone, if a kid wants to hug a pee tree and their parents aren't paying attention, you just got to let that kid do it. <laughs> we actually just got our first big snow dumping here in St. John, New Brunswick at the yeah. season here. And we actually held off till January, which isn't too bad, but it was a doozy. And it was yesterday was sort of the day after everybody was out shoveling. And it really did make me think of a lot of winter tips that we've learned over the years as Canadians. A lot of them we don't even really think about. Yeah. So for instance, uh, our son Hux was out playing in the snow while I was shoveling. And I was telling him about the fact that you need to pile all of your snow at the end of the driveway to one side i said to the right oh, side oh yeah that's true he said well the right side depending on which direction you're facing and i'm like well it was a good <laughs> comment but uh, but basically i said just picture the plow coming down the road you don't want them to push the pile that you just made and put it all back in front of your driveway which we call a windrow for those uh, who are not in the know. Is of that what the it's snow. called? A windrow? Yes. I didn't. I never even knew that. That's created at the end of a driveway or by I a snowplow. I didn't even know that. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting because I just did that instinctively. I, every time I shovel, it's always to the right of yeah, so that when the plow does come, it takes it away, and puts it in front of the neighbors driveway <laughs> yeah, lucky which for is us. really what happens lucky for our neighbors their their driveways further down so they don't mm. have to worry but yes so that was one thing that you know I, I think it's just it's in our blood like you said instinctively we know that as canadians the same way we know how to walk on ice yeah we had a I friend always... who moved from india and i remember he said that was one of the hardest things that he had to get accustomed to was to learn to walk on ice that first winter and oh yeah he was sort of watching how the locals were just going around on the sidewalks and they, you know, he said basically you could skate on them, but we were walking as though it was pretty much nothing. I always found that it was, uh, you almost got to walk on ice as if you pooped your pants. You kind of, <laughs> you really do. You, minus the embarrassment. 
um, because you did, really didn't poop your pants. But the thing is, is you gotta you gotta be a little weightless. You're not quite on your tippy toes, but you gotta be weightless, and you have to have your center of gravity a certain way that if you fall, you know whether or not you're falling forward or backward. Does that make any sense? It does. Yeah, it does. And you know, if you did poop your pants and you just gave your pant leg a little bit of a wriggle, you could leave some traction for the person behind you. That's right. But no, that what you said makes sense. I think a lot of times people will liken it to walking like a penguin. Yeah, walking you know? like a penguin. That's a good uh, analogy as well. And it's no, you know, no joke to be careful when you're on ice. There are a ton of people who oh. get concussions and head injuries on, yeah. on an annual basis. We know people who've slipped on the ice and broken wrists. Yeah, going back to like balance on ice, I always thought that I had good balance when I was on ice because I was, an, I used to be a skateboarder, but I don't know. I don't know if that has anything to do with it at all, but I always thought it was. I just wanted to add that. <laughs> Well, we'll have to do a poll of skateboarders who walk are, on ice. Who are in winter climates and ask them. Are you a skateboarder? Do you walk on ice? Do you find you do it better than your non-skateboarding friends? Yeah, exactly. As I was telling uh, Hux about where to shovel snow, I remembered all these other tips. I shouldn't say tips. They were rules or horrifying warnings my mother would give me when playing outside in the snow. So one of the things I told him was to look up and make sure that there weren't icicles on oh, yeah. the eave above him you know, that could fall off the rooftop. And he, uh, he sort of, he looked up and I said, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why my mother always had to add the picture of it, but she's like, because there are kids that icicles have gone straight down through the tops of their heads. <laughs> oh man. And it's such a horrific image, but you know what? I'm in my forties and I still look up for icicles. So thanks mom. That horrific image has made me stay safe all these years. I remember a while back walking along, uh, sidewalk here in the uptown area and an icicle did come down very close to me and it would have really hurt me bad if it had landed on me and yeah oh yeah that was uh glad you didn't tell me about it yeah it was pretty it was pretty (laughs) freaky it smashed like just into a million pieces and i was like holy geez that was a big piece of ice because you know what the way it works is if the upper level of a building is warm then if it freezes very quickly, that's when you get the really big pieces of ice along the perimeter of your roof, right? Anyway. You know, one of the good reminders that you made me think of was to clean off the roof of your car. Oh, yeah. I mean, you talk about ice and how dangerous it can be. I mean, that happens a lot. People will leave a little bit of snow, a little bit of ice on the top of their car, and then when they're driving down the highway, it blows off onto the car behind them. And I've, That's you know, really dangerous. On an annual basis, you hear of people having sheets of ice go straight through their windshield from yeah. the car in front of them. That's so really dangerous. I, I promise some of these tips are a little lighter, but before we go to the lighter ones, one <laughs> before more Before the horrific. icicle goes through your head. We have another tip. (laughs) One more horrific one, courtesy of my mother, is don't play in snowbanks near the road because you don't want to get chewed up by a snowplow. That's a very true one, though. That has happened. Kids have gotten injured and sometimes killed. And they've suffocated below uh, collapsed snow forts. Yeah. And I have to admit, though, when I was a kid, no one told me not to do that. And I did it all the time. Well, that's where the best snowbanks were, the ones created by the plow. I know. You made it through. You made it I made through. It the through. Snow, the I don't plow. know how. You made it through the it's icicle yeah, near death experience. Scary. So, yeah, good good ones to remember, especially if you have little ones. 
And then if you have furry ones, or you just want to look out for other people's furry ones, give a knock on your hood before you start your car up in the winter. A lot of times the warmth of a car that has been turned off is a very comfy place for critters and cats to climb up under the hood and I don't think I've ever experienced that, though. I guess I would have been in the car, so I wouldn't know if a car, if a cat like ran away. But I've never seen. Have you? I've like, actually no, but no. I hear this warning every winter, and I I'm hear, like, but I, I always a, I always figure I'm a loud enough person that if there were anything, I think it's folklore in the vicinity of the car, it would go running long before I would. <laughs> That's even what see I figured it. too. As soon as you start the car, like the cat's like, oh crap, I better get out of here, and then takes off. I know, but our, sometimes you start the car and the things moving make it a little bit too late. I guess. Yeah. Especially if it's like a little field mouse. Wow, this is a really, uh, this, <laughs> this is a really uh, terrifying episode of this. Well, then let's talk about nipple cream. Oh, nipple cream. <laughs> sure. If you get really chapped lips in the wintertime, or if you, again, have little ones who have really chapped lips, nipple cream, and for those of you who aren't familiar with what nipple cream is, the nipple cream I'm referring to anyway involves... Uh, Breastfeeding. So if you nursed or breastfed children and women often will know what nipple cream is. It just protects the nipple during breastfeeding. Yeah. And you can buy tubes of it. And Well, tube and nipple cream. <laughs> I'm trying to keep a straight face while Jeff makes faces at me. But they're, uh, there's creams that are made out of lanolin. It's very thick, thicker than even uh, Vaseline. Mm-hmm. It's safe for consumption because it's often used in breastfeeding, as I mentioned. Right. So you put that on your little one's lips at night, and uh, by the morning, they'll be fine. And you can even use it on yours. So I'm just saying, you know, you might want to pick up some nipple cream when you're out and about. You might get some funny looks, depending on who you are, and if you don't have yeah. a, nipple you know, cream an sounds infant great. in tow. But, um, yeah. Yeah, I'm just, it's... <laughs> I just, it's such a great tip and it works so well. Yeah, it works Especially better. Does kid- it work better than Blistex or? Oh, it does. Oh, yeah. 100%, yes, because it's it's very thick. It's meant for an, a certain purpose. You know, it's safe, you yeah. know, for for babies. So it's a great thing if you have babies with, with chap lips or uh, you just want to protect them in the wintertime, just to put the nipple cream onto their lips. And Is it called I, nipple cream? Let's just get that yep. out of the way. Yeah, like that's, when you that's when you Google it, when you Google it, you Google nipple cream. <laughs> yes, okay. Medellicare lanolin is the stuff that I buy. All right, it works. Okay, we spent a lot of time talking about nipple cream on this, so let's move on to the next one. We could do a whole podcast on <laughs> nipple cream. Well, this is another one. It's around babies, but it's um, and it can use work for your own bed sheets as well. But you can put a hot water water bottle under your sheets if you don't have an electric blanket and get your sheets warmed up a little bit before you go to bed. Now. We used to do that for our little guy. Well, we did. I remember because of the time frame when he was born, he was born in, uh, you know, the winter months. And I couldn't figure out why he would fall asleep in my arms. And then when I would go to transfer him into the crib, he would always wake up. He's just yelling, it's freezing in here, Ma. That's what my cousin said. He can tell the temperature difference. So what I started doing was warming up a water bottle laying it in the crib, and then it was this quick little swap out, you know, it lift up the water well. bottle, put the baby in the spot that was warmed up, and it did. It solved the problem. So, I mean, it may not work for you and your baby, but if you've got a baby in the winter, Wonder water bottle. Wonder if they got little itty-bitty baby electric blankets. Yeah, that might be dangerous, though, because babies have a hard time moderating their own body temperature. I think they make electric blankets a little bit different than what you remember. <laughs> they, don't, they don't just blow up. <laughs> 
<laughs> I, always, I always have this fear of... Uh, you do. Well, you like to leave the electric blanket on all the time, like on a low level, just so it's always warm when we get in bed. I know it probably doesn't use that much electricity, but I always picture like one frayed wire yeah. that it's going to burn down our house. Yeah, that could be anything though, like the TV, but we don't like, you know, unplug the TV every time we use it. Good point. Anyway. Good point, um, but a mattress is highly flammable and it's in such close proximity. Okay. Just trying to defend my hyper vigilance when it comes no, to electric blankets. No, I mean, blankets. I can't. I can't even imagine how many disasters you've you've avoided by being the way you are. So, Thanks, thank you hon. for being the way you are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go to the definition for this episode, and it is uh, actually it's a couple of terms, but it's called the Valsalva maneuver. Vasalva. Valsalva. Valsalva. V-A-L-S-A-L-V-A. Maneuver. Okay. I have and no idea what this is. <laughs> what it is, is it's, according to Wiki, it's performed by moderate, a moderately forceful attempt to exhale against a closed airway. What? Um, it's basically like bearing down. Okay. So people might think of bearing down during... Batting down the hatches? No, no. Bearing down like when you're defecating. Oh. Where is this podcast going? <laughs> Well, another time that you bear down is when you're shoveling snow. Oh, yeah, okay. You know what I mean by bearing down, you're right? You're flexing like, those abdominal muscles. Yeah, it's like when you give give birth people. We're going back okay. to the babies again. but What's the word again? It's, Val- called, it's called the Valsalva maneuver, and it's what you do. It's when you basically hold your breath and you bear down. So okay. people will do that when they're shoveling snow. They'll do that when they're trying to go to the bathroom. Okay. And the problem... Hopefully not at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. While they're walking on this, walking on yeah. the ice, <laughs> like a, like a penguin. <laughs> the I'll just say the technique is actually named after Antonio Maria Valsalva, who is a 17th century physician and anatomist from Bologna. Uh, so that's where the name comes from. But the problem with it, I mean, it does have certain applications where it makes sense. Things it's involved with scuba diving, um, very heavy power lifting. But what it does when you bear down is it. It increases your thoracic pressure, and okay. that increases your blood pressure, which explains why a lot of people who have heart attacks have them on the toilet and or have them shoveling. shoveling snow. That's why you didn't let me shovel yesterday. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> as much as I tried, I was not. It was a beautiful day. Permitted. I enjoyed the shoveling no. yesterday. I know. I just wanted to keep all the joy and pleasure for myself. It's probably because I'm approaching 50. Yes. It's that big magical number. Approaching as in, it's just months away. Yeah, I know. It's very... But uh, no, I mean, it's it's important to be safe when you're shoveling. So to avoid the Valsalva maneuver, don't hold your breath when you're lifting snow. Just like lifting weights. Anybody who lifts weights knows that you exhale when you're doing the work. You and breathe you, through it. You Exactly. You exhale during the lift and Same inhale with yoga, during right? the lower. You got to breathe through it. Well, yoga is all about the breathing. Stretching and stuff. It's yeah. all about the breathing, right. all about the breath. Gotcha. <laughs> uh, but yes, so shoveling snow, don't hold your breath. Also, you know, just take your time. It's a marathon, not a sprint. And yesterday was most definitely a marathon, depending on how much snow you get. It's a, it's a process, so. Yes. And don't hug trees covered in pee. And don't hug trees covered in pee. How'd you get that on a t-shirt? <laughs> a couple of funny uh, <laughs> tips that I got from a blogger who has a website, bouncymustard.com. She recommends to always carry bacon in your pockets so that if you fall and get lost in the snow, the search dogs can find you. 
Or if you get hungry, you could just eat the bacon. That's right. Yeah, so there's a twofold there. Be good to do when you're skiing too, in case there's an avalanche. Yeah, you would you would be you'd be quite a topic of conversation if you know if you said that. I can't go. The bacon's still cooking. You know, like. Well, it could be raw bacon. I'll be late. Yeah, I guess that would be even weirder though. <laughs> <laughs> Then the wolves would be after you. <laughs> well, strange. do you think the dogs can smell the raw bacon better than the cooked bacon? I mean, people smell the cooked bacon. I have no idea. That's a good. Qu- that's that's a question for CSI. That's right. But the cooked bacon would be better for eating. I would be curious if you're if you're a listener and you have actually done that. Please, please let us know because that's really fascinating. <laughs> it would make it would make sense. Uh, yeah, in the event of an avalanche, right? Where, yes. Yeah. Is that what you said? It is. Yeah. I don't know how much sense. the bacon smell fumes, and I'm picturing the little smell fume lines that you see in a cartoon. That <laughs> if they would a lot make of it sense. up, would they make it up through the snow? No. I don't know, but dogs are pretty good. If you're going to choose something other than bacon, what would it be that would make a more of a scent? Like I, I don't even know what else would, there would be. <laughs> the, the, yeah. The compost. Van. You could carry compost in yeah, your pockets. Compost, or or. Uh, or maybe some bark from the tree covered in pee. There you go. Yeah. The pea tree. Pea tree bark. Back to the pea tree. Another fun tip from that same website that I grabbed was uh, how to find out if you're feeling old, Jeff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> how to find out if you're feeling old, whether or not you actually are old. And well, I'm not really feeling old, but I know I'm getting old. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah. Age is just a feeling. I mean, no, there are like... Age is just a number. There are these <laughs> mysterious cracks and stuff like that when i get up off the couch and stuff i, I don't know which part of my body is cracking but we'll just say it's the couch that, just yeah. say it's the couch yeah <laughs> but the tip is if you really want to know if you're old just slip and fall on the ice in a public area if you're young your friends will laugh at you if you're old people will run to you and ask if you're okay <laughs> that's true so it's a little barometer for you if you really want to know you're old like just go <laughs> fall asleep on your arm or something like that and when you wake up you think it's cut off or you you think it might need to be cut off because it hurts so bad yeah try that one <laughs> all right here are some really great tips i got from the farmer's almanac Good old farmer's almanac. They know what they're doing. This first one is one I'd never thought of before. Now, if you have a fertilizer or seed spreader, that's essential for the tip. Now, we live in uptown St. John, so this isn't something that we readily have, but I've lived in the country for a good portion of my life, and anybody who has a lawn would be familiar with this. So it's uh, it's just something you use to spread either grass seed or fertilizer over your lawn. You can use it to spread salt or sand over your driveways and you just walkways. throw it though too you could but this does a more even distribution you know when you throw it it kind of makes just this line of yeah yeah so if you have one sitting in your garage it's easy to dump what you got in there uh obviously um if you're doing a large area a broadcast spreader would make more sense it spreads it out over a larger surface area and if you want a more precise uh application of salt or sand then you can use a drop spreader yeah, and if you if you if you don't have any salt or a spreader, just use kitty litter. Yeah, kitty litter is great too. Mm-hmm. That's my tip. That's one of my tips. Well, you know, another substance that was recommended was coffee grounds, mm-hmm. which are more environmentally friendly. That would work. You'd have to drink a lot of coffee grounds, though. Yeah. Like, I I feel like, well, not drink the, you know what I mean, drink the coffee to produce the grounds. I, I imagine you could probably just get them from a cafe. They could probably save them for you. You could. 
Just that sounds idea. like a lot of work. And then you're driving around, which again is probably. And with the spreader, you would have to do that after you shovel it. <laughs> Couldn't just do that right through all the snow. No, no. Mm-hmm. But that's just normal. That's the common sense part of winter. That's right. And that's what that's this whole podcast is about. That's what we think anyway. Yeah. Salt actually only works during te- certain temperatures too. There's an optimal temperature for salt, so just beware of that. Do you know what that temperature is? I do not. Are you going to ask me that? <laughs> I think it doesn't work below <laughs> minus... 12. I want to say minus 6, but I'm not 100% sure. Let's pause here while I fact check that. And we're back. So I fact checked this, and the majority of websites do say minus 9 Celsius is when salt will stop working, but there's actually a professor at a Dalhousie University in uh, Nova Scotia here in Canada, who says that it can actually be effective up to minus 21. And so I was right. she's from the Faculty of Chemistry, so I believe her. I said minus 12, <laughs> so that's closer for me, so I win. And if it's uh, you know colder than minus 21, then just stay inside and don't spread salt. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> don't go anywhere. I wish that were an option, but it's frequently minus 21 uh, or below here where we live. Not today, plus three. Not today. All right. So coffee grounds, salt, sand, kitty litter, all great things for traction. But another great thing you can do with kitty litter, according to the farmer, Farmer's Almanac, is to store it in your trunk of your car. So if you get a big bag of it, or probably an easier thing would be one of those tubs of it, just keeping it in the trunk of your car, the added weight is great for extra traction when you're driving around in icy road conditions. But also if you get stuck. You have kitty litter that mm-hmm. you can use to sprinkle around your tires to get the traction you need to get going. Or if you meet a feral cat and need to care for it, you can lay the kitty litter in the back of your truck and it has a litter box. Yeah, you could just turn your whole vehicle into a litter box. Don't keep <laughs> I've cats heard of people trunk, driving people. around with uh, uh, dumbbells and stuff in the back of their car to keep it down, weighted down. Oh, yeah. People a lot of times will have bags of sand and things mm. like that. Anything, particularly if you have a light car, it can really make a difference in the winter in the winter time when you're driving around. But I thought that was a cool idea. Another thing you can do in a pinch if you're stuck is to take your floor mats and put them under the edge of your tire just oh, yeah. to get you that traction. This is particularly if you're stuck on just a spot of ice. Yeah. And I've done this before and had it work was I just took a cardboard. Yeah. I had some corrugated cardboard that I stuck underneath the spinning tire, and it was enough to get me the traction to go. So, yeah, just some ideas. If you want to ruin your floor mats, that's a good way to do it. Another tip from the Farmer's Almanac. That's where you're supposed to laugh, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> Another tip from the Almanac is to turn your ceiling fans on reverse. So you don't have to stop using them completely in the winter. You can still use them to have your air circulating, but turning them on the reverse will blow your air downward. So rather than have all your warm air gather toward the ceiling in the wintertime, turn them in reverse and blow the air back down for you. That one's so obvious, but I wonder how many people actually thought of it. Well, people always just wonder why there's a reverse button on ceiling fans. I didn't even know there was, so... Oh, there is. We don't have a ceiling fan in our home, No, we don't, but I've been in places with ceiling fans... And there is usually a reverse button or an extra little string that you pull. I have a funny story about that. there's a reverse button on our uh, mini split. (laughs) (laughs) That would be funny. Well, it goes from heat to cold. I guess that's reverse in a way. That is really nice, isn't it? It is nice. It's amazing that that an air conditioner can do that. It is. Uh, It's astonishing that they can take the cool air outside. Oh, boom. Make it hot. Give it to you. Pretty cool. (laughs) 
there's a lot of amazing things that happen that I have no idea how they happen, but yeah. I'm thankful they do. I still don't even understand how a radio works, but I find it amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I have no it's idea how we're recording this and people are listening to <laughs> yeah. it. The funny story I have about ceiling fans is that when I was in elementary school, I had a birthday party and it was at our house and we held it in the basement because we, you know, just had a, a modest house, but I had a big class that I invited, which was like 20, 25 kids. And our basement was newly renovated, but it was sort of still a, you know, a cement floor, but it was freshly painted with this high gloss paint and it looked really nice. But for whatever reason, it was really humid in the basement. My birthday's in the summertime and we couldn't get the humidity down in the basement. And I remember all my friends coming over and they started just sort of skating and sliding around on the humid floors. And then we realized the ceiling fans needed to be reversed. And that's ah. why they were not drying the floors as they should be. Oh, that's great. There. It's a good story. Was that a great story? It's a great story. But you know what? Had we had them on the proper, in the, in, going in the proper direction, then all of my friends would not have had as much fun skating around on the Did you condensation that? of the floor. Did you discover that? The we discovered it long after the birthday party was over. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. <laughs> because I think we were all just so busy doing everything else so we didn't really look at the the cause of the humidity (laughs) uh another tip spray cooking spray on your shovel yes that's one thing we we haven't tried but i i want to do that i know well i got a shovel tonight so there you go i always wonder about this one because part of me the way we have to shovel because we live in the city we have to pick up a shovel full of snow and walk it a little ways down the road you know because we don't have a lot of places to pile it so i wonder if spraying with cooking spray would make it harder to hold your shovel full of snow doubt it it's pretty concave yeah i think it would cradle it pretty well so the intent of the cooking spray is really just so that the snow flies off your shovel yeah, when you're throwing it and it doesn't stick it's a great and idea. Just the same way of National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation when he sprays the, <laughs> what did he call it, non-nutritive cereal varnish? Yeah, that sounds good to me. <laughs> I, I think it would probably, I've seen that movie so many times and yeah, there's, there's things I forget about it all the time. But you remember that? <laughs> I do. I do remember that. What do they call the saucer? I remember how fake that scene looked. <laughs> it was unbelievable. Just like the coffee cups, you point out the fakeness of that scene every yeah. time we watch it. Anyway. All right. The empty coffee cups. So cooking spray. And another thing just around vehicles is to make sure that you keep at least a half a tank of gas in your car. Yeah. So, yeah, again, I think this is probably something people who live in cold climates do intuitively, but it just, it definitely is a good idea to do for many reasons, but also it just, it protects your car. And also (laughs) if you get stuck in the snow and you don't want to freeze to death, you have a little extra gas. There's lots you of think of reasons. everything, gas, but you know what? You need a. Uh, you, you also need a tickle trunk of things that you need if, in case you really get stranded. That's uh-huh. right, an emergency kit. Is that in your list? No, it isn't. You know, an emergency kit with like, you know. What would it have in it, Jeff? What would this emergency kit have? A flashlight. What else? Some food. Maybe a single burner stove. A blanket. Uh, other things. <laughs> a, sing- a single burner stove. Are we going camping? Or are we? If you need to cook something, got to cook need, an egg roadside you while you're. You need stuff. water. You gotta. You gotta burn some snow. 
Right? I, I read that duct tape is highly flammable and it's a good thing to keep in your car because it's good for quick repairs and right. it can also help you start a fire in an emergency. There you go. Yeah, there you go indeed. If you need to unfreeze your locks, the Farmer's Almanac recommends using hand sanitizer. Mm-hmm. So you can put it onto your key to insert into the lock and, and just rub it on the exterior of the lock. And the alcohol in the hand sanitizer will help de-ice. Fantastic. And there is certainly no shortage of hand sanitizer around these days. That's absolutely true. Bonus tip, don't leave your hand sanitizer in your car because the temperature fluctuations can render it less effective. That's right. Is it time for my tip now? Jeff's helpful tip? Yes, it is. Go ahead, Jeff. Okay. Here's, <laughs> this, here's is the my... ra- this is the random tip of the episode. <laughs> here's my random tip number four. Four, four. I don't even know if it's four, but I just wanted to do the Echo Four thing. Um so if you if you're living in your home and which you usually are you're living at your house right you're in the living room and if you're like a family like us you know you have like more than one remote right rather than getting them lost all the time just get a basket put all the remotes in a basket and that way you know where they are you like that one? <laughs> if you saw how many times Jeff gets up from the couch and drops a remote because they were all sitting on the blanket. Or my belly. Had, yep. And, yep. And it's true. He's like, where's so, the remote? And then he gets up and they all smash to the floor and the backs come off and the batteries fly out. And It happens every day. Once much. a day it happens. Yeah. <laughs> the fire stick remote, won't, the back won't even stay on. Why do they make anymore? all the remotes black? I don't like, know. We have dark. We have black couches yes well they're dark brown but yes they just the couches eat them all the time and i just yeah it's true amy's amy's right they go flying all the time so i think i might try a basket i might see if it works see if i can keep them in a little tiny basket (laughs) (laughs) anyway that's my random tip we'll we'll have to see about this we'll have to see if that'll work we'll report back all right thanks for listening everyone thanks for listening bye-bye bye-bye Thanks for listening. Be sure to check out past episodes and subscribe to keep up with what's new. You can find us anywhere you get your podcasts. And why not leave a review? You can also follow InfoQuench on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Till Til next time. time.